Hey, everybody, welcome to Sacred City Vision Drip. Pastor Sam here with you today, and uh, I'm glad to have you with me. I am, I think I'm going to be taking it a couple weeks. It's so hard to plan these podcasts because a lot of this stuff, sort of like the, what I'm feeling in the moment, what the Lord's pressing on my heart, and I want to share a little bit with you. And and um, there's been a few things that, I, that I've been thinking about this past week um, that I hopefully can pass on to you, package up and pass on to you, and you find some encouragement in it, and, and it really um, sets you on, on a on a positive trajectory of of worship and uh, admiration for our Lord, um, all those good things. And um, I, and one of the things that I want to do in, in the coming weeks is to um, to talk a little bit about why we worship the way we do, like why our Sunday gatherings are designed uh, the way they are. And this is something that we talk about often in our visitor forums. In fact, this is probably one of the primary, maybe the only time um, that you've heard us talk about this, unless I go on a rant or something on a, uh, not a rant, but you know what I'm talking, a, a calculated aside, that's a positive way to spin it, um, on why we worship the way we worship, why, why our liturgy is designed the way it is, or why our gatherings are the, the way they are. Um, and so I think I'm going to start, you know, chipping away at that a little bit and, uh, and giving a little bit of context or a little bit of clarity on, on some of those things that, that maybe you've heard at one point, but man, uh, it's been a while. So bring those back out. And, and so in kind of in that vein, just generally today, I want to talk about worship, um, the, the practice, the discipline of worship and really what worship is. And I, and I think a lot of times we step, um, step into the sanctuary, step into church expecting, yeah, this is going to be a nice, a nice Sunday, slow down. You know, I, I get to hear the liturgy and the, the word of the Lord is going to be read to me and the preaching of the word and, you know, sacrament and all this stuff is great. All that stuff is great. And we can anticipate that, look forward to it, enjoy it. Um, but one of the things that I think we underestimate is just how much of a battle it is to worship. In fact, that that's what I want you to understand is that worship is warfare. The fact that you make up your mind um, on Saturday night to go to church, to be present, uh, to worship the Lord in the congregation, um, that will be met by opposition. And, and then on the way to church, and then on the way into the building, and then as you're sitting there, you, you, there's going to be constant opposition, distraction, all kinds of excuses, all kinds of sort of things going on to try to pull you away from that. Now, th- this we feel this incredibly strongly in our household. We think that Saturday nights are the nights that, that, uh, it's like the devil stores up all of his tricks for Saturday nights. Cause he wants to get us off kilter for Sunday mornings. And so a lot of times what we experience is, um, our kids don't sleep well, or we don't sleep well. Um, we, we wake up with the sniffles wondering if we're going to feel well. Um, you know, it's, it's all week long, our kids have like popped out of bed at six thirty in the morning, but for some reason, on Sunday mornings they want to sleep till like nine thirty. You know, it's like getting them out of bed becomes a chore when normally it's not. Uh, finding the right clothes, making sure everybody's hair—it's like everything becomes a deal. And and it's something that I hear now. My wife and I—we don't get a—we don't go to church together very often, like right in the same vehicle to church, um, because I got to be at the church early in the morning and she comes later with the kids. But 
one thing that I commonly hear is how people, uh, couples oftentimes get into the worst fights of the week on their way to church on Sunday mornings. What do you think that is? That's, that's the enemy. That's the flesh. That's, that's something working against you, trying to distract you, trying to disrupt you, trying to throw you off kilter as you enter into worship. The same thing happens as you're in the sanctuary. There's all kinds of distractions. There's always going to be distractions. There's always going to be kids. Praise God for kids. Grateful to have kids in the sanctuary. There's always going to be somebody who's got to stand up and go to the bathroom break in the middle uh, of a sermon. There's always going to be something going on. Um, as much as you want to avoid some of those extra distractions, there's always going to be those things that pop up and, and that can pull you away from what the Lord is trying to do. Like whether it be in, in the song, like worship set or in, in the liturgy or in the preaching, whatever it might be. Your worship does not run unopposed. And so one of the things that we have to realize is that we are we are in the middle of a spiritual battle. Now I'm not going off, I'm not going charismania here. I'm not going off where there's a, a devil behind every little bush. And you know, it's that's not what I'm I'm aiming for here, but there is a spiritual reality that that as we worship, uh, there are our powers and principalities, there are spirit spirits of darkness that are working against the saints giving. God, his worship that he is due. And, and I, and that is really ultimately the primary thing that God is doing. Like you think about what heaven is like, heaven is, is God's people giving him the proper amount of worship, the right worship of God. And, and right now, one day it'll be perfected. One day we'll get to go and experience and it'll be distraction free and, and fully, wholly heartedly engaged with worship. And, you know, we'll get to sing we just sing forever. It'd be great. I, I, you know, and I'm sure we'll get to do other stuff like build, build civilizations and all this great stuff that, that, uh, I think God had intended for humanity to do before sin entered the whole picture. Uh, we'll just get to do great things and have a lot more fun doing it. But one of the things that we get to do is worship God. And, and so each time we gather, uh, to worship on Sunday mornings on the Lord's day is, is sort of a teaser an appetizer, or if you're Michael Scott, an appetizer for what's coming to the new heavens, new earth. When we get to be with God, we get to see him, our faith becomes sight, uh, and, and to worship him wholeheartedly with our full person. And, and so if, if that is what God is primarily after from his people is getting the worship that he's due, don't you believe that Satan and, and the, the forces of darkness are going to come and try to subvert that? And so we just have to be aware. We got to put our head on the swivel. The, the moment you make up your mind Saturday night, you can expect resistance to come uh, you, if you're going to go to church. The, the moment you wake up Sunday morning or even the middle of the night, you can expect there to be things. In, in the church service, you can expect there to be distractions or not, maybe not even distractions, but it's like, you know, you, you got a bunch of stuff on your mind and you're just distract like it's not a distracting thing that's going on it's your brain is distracted that those are all things that are are easily pulling you away from from the right worship of of our lord and so we got to go in thinking okay this is a battle i got to be ready i got to be armed i've i've got to be on guard i've got to see what's really going on here see through see through just the um the uh, I guess the ritual of it. And, and by ritual, I mean like the ritual where it's like you've made this a rhythm. This, this is a pattern that you keep going through week in and week out. We have to see through that and see really past 
the physical into the spiritual realm of what's going on. There, there is, there is warfare happen. There is a battle going on for your soul and, and praise the Lord. He is our victor. He, he has secured victory for us. So, so in one sense, we, we acknowledge our place as the church triumphant, that Christ victory is our victory in Christ. We have, we have success. It's in Romans. It talks about that. Uh, we are more than conquerors in Christ. And so there is this true victory and we talk about the church triumphant. That's a a mode of the church um, where the church is in fact reveling in the victory. And, and we get glimpses of the church triumphant here in in this age, this, this age that's passing away. Um, But, but really the church triumphant will be what the new heavens and new earth. That's what that reality is. In the meantime, really that the primary the primary state of the church is the church militant, this church that that has received its marching orders from Jesus, that's that's carrying out a mission that has an objective, and the objective revolves around worshiping, and that and that objective is going to there's a rival to it, there's going to be uh, an adversary to that 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 objective, and so that I think that's what we need to realize um, is that worship is warfare. And buckle up, baby. Buckle in, strap in. Get your sword right. Get your shield out. Get the helmet on. All of the, all of the, um, all of the weaponry, all of the uh, armor, spiritual armor that we need uh, to to fight, to worship, and and really, uh, you have no idea how powerful singing is. And, and so, um, it, it really does. It does singing songs to Jesus, singing songs about God and His glory, singing songs about the wondrous works that God has done. That does a lot. You don't realize how much that does to push back the darkness. And one of the songs that we sang this past week um, is, uh, it, it's a song called, I Know That My Redeemer Lives. It's sort of a, set to it like an American tune. Um, I'm trying to look up right now who wrote it here. I've got to flip through all of my photos. I got it snapped here. Well, I can tell you if my phone would stop. Here we go. Um, it, it was it's, it's set to an American folk hymn uh, that was used in the 1800s. The text is by Samuel Medley, which is a great name if you're going to write music, Medley, um, in 1775. So we're, we're singing a song that has been around uh, for you know 250 years or so, almost, um, if my math's right. It's a song that's been around for a long time, and the church has been singing this. And, and, and I won't sing it to you. Um, but if you were there, you, you heard it. And, and one of the fun parts about this song, it, it's like a, it's like a call and a response thing. So it, it says, um, I know that my redeemer lives and the response is glory. Hallelujah. Every, every stanza has this glory. Hallelujah. Chant that goes, um, what comfort this assurance gives glory. Hallelujah. Now here's the line that I want, I want us to focus on because here it really does lean into the church militant and also that like point to the, the reality of church triumphant, that the church will win. Um, and it says, shout on, pray on, we're gaining ground. Glory, hallelujah. Isn't that, uh, and I, you know, whether or not you got, you stopped and paused and thought about that, but, but this really is a profound statement today. Um, I don't know if I said this already, but, but it's Reformation Day, October 31st. And I just think back um, to, to uh, 1517, where, uh, this whole thing, this, this great story of reformed, uh, the reformed tradition started off with Martin Luther nailing the 95 theses. And I just think of how much ground we've gained since then, how, how far the gospel has spread since then. So, 
you know, and this song was written, you know, 200 years after, after the Reformation began, but here it's shout on, pray on, we're gaining ground, glory, hallelujah. The dead's alive, the lost is found, glory, hallelujah. And, and it's just such a great reminder. It, it sets us up because regardless of in the moment of what our vantage point is, because, because a lot of times, to be honest with you, I say, shout on, pray on, we're gaining ground. And I look, I look out, it's like, man, our church is about the same size as it was a year ago. There's not a lot of, there's not a lot of ground being gained here. We haven't really taken over the city of Moline uh, with the, with the gospel and, and bringing in um, the flourishing that God wants to bring to, to his people. And so it's like, in some sense, it's like, well, okay, I don't know if that's true, but if you zoom out and you see uh, God's work through the church, through the ages, God's work through the church, through the globe, then it certainly is true. Shout on, pray on. We're gaining ground. And I think a lot of the times we we base our own, uh, our, our own, our own view of, of, how the church is doing on our immediate proximity. And, and so there are going to be some seasons where, man, it feels like the church is just surging ahead because my, in my missional community, a lot of people are coming to faith. And so, yes, we're gaining ground. People are coming to faith. People are surrendering their lives to Christ. People are honoring the Lordship of Jesus. It's so great. Um, and then, and then there's times where it's like, okay, I don't, I don't really see the fruit. And, and we're going to talk about this in a sermon series coming up soon. Uh, I don't really see the fruit, but I know that, that I need to keep plotting. I need to keep tending to the field and a lot of times, bad loser theology will keep you from singing songs like this, okay? And this is what I mean by bad loser theology. By loser theology, what I mean is that um, that we think that things are going to get really, 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 really bad here on earth, and then eventually Jesus will come back. Like things are going to tank big time and and there'll be a remnant of the church, but overall, like society wise, things are going to tank. And and if you look at our society right now, you you might just based on the trends of things, you might think, okay, that, that is likely to be true. But, but scripture tells us a completely different story. Um, scripture has a story of the church gaining momentum of, and what I mean is like the church universal, the church across the globe of gaining momentum of more people coming to recognize and honor the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And and so really what the, what happens is the church wins, the church will conquer the world. It's the meek who inherit the earth. Um, and so there, there'll be this acquisition of the world that, that Christians have essentially taken it over. And this is, this is, I talked about this months and months and months ago, probably, um, it's been, but this is sort of the, 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 um, the merging of the great commission where we're to go disciple all the nations and the cultural mandate to, to, uh, fill the earth and subdue it, to bring it under. And what we mean by subdue it is not to conquer it by power, but to, but to, um, entrust all things to the Lordship of Jesus Christ to make, to recognize things are all things are under the reign of Christ. And so bad loser theology says, nope, Jesus doesn't own this world. Um, he owns the spiritual parts and, and it gets into this sort of um, this a bad version of two kingdoms theology, which maybe some other time we'll, we'll tackle that mountain. And, and it says like, well, the kingdom of the earth or, or earth in general will get really, really, really bad. And the church is going to lose down here, but then Jesus is going to come back and then he's going to make us winners. And, and that, I think a lot of Christians believe that unfortunately. And, and so it, it makes us think that, well, it doesn't matter what we do here. We're not going to have a great impact. And so it stops us from starting Christian businesses or, um, or it stops us from building these Christian institutions, or it stops us from really pressing forward and, and being on mission to our neighbor because, you know, well, they're all 
you know, they don't believe in Jesus anyway. And so it's just going to get darker and darker, and darker. My, my whole neighborhood will become apostate and all, you know, it's like, it is a loser. Like the church is losing. And so you have that, but this song really presses against that. It says shout on, pray on, we're gra- gaining ground. And, and so that is the true reality of things that, that Jesus, his mission is advancing. Um, and, and so one of the things, and, and this is probably again, another podcast for another time, but your eschatology, the way that you be- view the end of times will affect the way that you view the present, the way that you view the end times, uh, will affect how you, how you worship in the present moment. And, and so if you think things are going to go bad, 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 then, then you're going to have a pretty pessimistic view of the future. But if you believe uh, the way that scripture teaches that things are actually, the church is going to pick up momentum, that things are going to keep going and more people are going to submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, that you have this really optimistic outlook that really God is, God is in fact uh, able to accomplish the impossible. What, What we look at right now and say, Oh, there's no way that'll happen. Well, no, with God, all things are possible. And, and, and our society, our nation, our city, our state, they're not beyond grace. They're not beyond the ability for the Lord to come in and, and raise up men and women who love Jesus the way that I know that the people of our church love Jesus and to work for the transformation, the renewal of the city. And that to have a really profound impact where we can can see um, not just, you know, got good gospel fruit being produced here in our church, uh, in our families, but throughout the whole city. Um, and so if you can see that God, in fact, he is gaining ground, the church is gaining ground, that, that will fill you with a bunch of optimism uh, and say, look, we're pressing on, we're going. Um, the Lord will fulfill his promises that, that this is not all in vain. Um, it's in vain if, 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 unless the Lord does build the house, but the Lord is building the house. The Lord is advancing. Um, and so we, um, we got to remember that as, as we worship that, that it's a battle, but we're not losing the battle. We're winning the battle because Jesus is victorious. Now I just finished, I'm going to wrap this up cause I've been going for, it feels like forever, but I'm only at 20 minutes. So, okay, I'm fine. All right. Um, but I've been, I just finished this book. I, this is the second time I've read it. It's called the bruise read by, uh, Richard Sibbs. Um, I got it from uh, banner of truth. They run these series called Puritan paperbacks. This is an old, old Puritan guy. I'm trying to think of when it was written. It was, See if it tells me right here. Richard Sibbs was around shortly after the Reformation. He was born in 1577, so he's not far off. One of the, one of the Puritans, um, great guy. I'm still trying to find it. Oh, this book was published in East Peoria. That's neat. Um, anyway, uh, 1630 was when it was first published. So 1630 was the year it was first published, five years before um, Richard Sibbs had passed away. And, and this whole book is talking about... Um, bringing our weaknesses to Christ and how Christ doesn't, um, doesn't break bruised reeds. He doesn't snuff out, um, uh, wavering flames. And, And he talks about the state in which we, that we come to meet Christ, the smoking flax, the bruised reed. Um, and, and he talks about how the strength of Christ can lift us up the, over the things that has, has caused us discouragement, the the things that have caused us to be downcast. And he works through this thing and the whole progression of the book is like, okay, you come to Christ in weakness and then he fills you with his spirit and strength and maturity and all of these things that will, will produce uh, good fruit in your life that the virtuous people, um, will have in its its effect. And and he gets to the end of, and, and, 
And so you come to Christ as a bruised reed and you leave Christ or you don't ever really leave Christ, but, but Christ gets you through so that you are victorious with him. And, and there's a section in, in this book that is, it's talking about why the enemy seems victorious. So that's really important. Why the enemy seems victorious. It's not that he is victorious. Christ is the victor. He seems victorious. Now, let me read a short passage of this. I think there's about three or four, there's like four little, um, little thoughts that he has on this idea here. He says, he presents first an objection. If this is so, um, and, and what he's referencing is that, that Christ is the victor and with him we are victorious. Um, if this is so, why is thus the church of God and with many a gracious Christian, the victory seems to be with the enemy? To understand this, we should remember firstly that God's children usually, in their troubles, overcome by suffering. Here lambs overcome lions and doves eagles by suffering, that herein they may be comfortable to Christ who conquered most when he suffered most. Together with Christ's kingdom of patience, there was a kingdom of power. Now this this is really helpful as he's talking about the kingdom of patience, bringing a kingdom of power. Like the the church can't strong arm her way into the place of triumph to see the world conquered. It, it comes through word and sacrament that, that we we win hearts, we win souls of man through gospel ministry, not by strong arming. And so it's not a quick, it's not a fast thing. And so there has to be patience involved as we're doing uh, this this ministry work of of bringing the gospel to the world, bringing the gospel to the city of Moline um, and beyond. And, and it's and it's a lot of times that the Lord brings hard trials and suffering. And through those, Christ is doing a good work in us that, that, um, by, by bringing us to a place of suffering that we may be comfortable in Christ. And so there's times where it seems like the enemy is gaining ground. It's like that, 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 um, part of the hymn is flipped where it's, it's, we're losing ground. The enemy's the one that's gaining ground. Well, he says, no, even in these times where it feels like it's not going our way, God is still working there. Um, that's where the power of God meets us. Now, the second thing he says, secondly, this victory is by degrees. So it doesn't happen all at once. And therefore they are too hasty spirited that would conquer as soon as they strike the first stroke and be at the end of their race at first setting forth. So what he's saying is, is like the, if you think that all at once we're going to win, um, you, you've got to, you've got to temper your expectations. You've got to readjust those because victory is by degrees. It's incremental progress that the church triumphs. It's, 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 we're gaining ground inch by inch. You know, this is funny. Well, uh, when we used to, when I was in high school, um, we, uh, we would always listen to, I don't even remember what movie it's from. It's like, um, dang it, like Red October or something like that. It's like a sound bite. And it's like, this is the game of inches. I want you to fight and claw. And I don't know. It was like this silly hype thing that high schoolers do. But the same thing. It's like, it's a game of inches. It's a game of, of centimeters. It's a game of, of degrees where victory is coming. It's coming little by little, not all at once. And so he, he reminds us by taking us a story of, of Israel. He says, the Israelites were sure of their victory in their journey to Canaan. God already promised that they were going to win. Yet they must fight it out. God would not have us quickly forget what cruel enemies Christ has overcome for us. 
Slay them not, lest my people forget, says the psalmist, Psalm 59, 11, so that by the experience of that annoyance we have by them, we might be kept in fear to come under their power. So here he's getting at, it doesn't all happen at once. We don't win all in one fell swoop. And and there's a lot of times that that God keeps our enemy there. He keeps the combat there so that we don't get lazy, that we keep pressing on and remember the strength of the enemy that Jesus has already conquered for us. Then he goes on thirdly, God often works by contraries. I love this. This is one of my favorite ones. God often works by contraries. When he means to give victory, he will allow us to be foiled at first. When he means to comfort, he will terrify first. When he means to justify, he will condemn us first. When he means to make us glorious, he will abase us first. A Christian conquers even when he is conquered. When he is conquered by some sins, he gets victory over others more dangerous, such as spiritual pride and security. So, so what he's saying here is like, even, even what seems like a loss in God's economy and God's battle, he will get wor- It'll get worked out as a win. Okay. And so that's one of the things that, that even, even as a Christian, uh, a Christian conquers, even when he is conquered, like there is no losing. If you are in Christ, there is no losing all adversity, all trials, all all temptations, all things that come your way. That they're going to get rewritten in the story in the end, and they're going to be ultimately testifying to your victory. Now, this is the last one I believe here um, that he points out. And he says, fourthly, Christ's work, both in the church and in the hearts of Christian, often goes backwards so that may go forward better. Now, this I think this is really important, that, that there are times where we go forward, that God brings us forward, and then he will um, bring us backward because maybe we got off course. So the church and the hearts of Christians often goes backward so that may go forward better. It's like if you take a wrong turn, sure, you could keep going and you go all the way through the winding hills and mountains and, and eventually come out somewhere close to where you should have been, but you're already set far behind. And, and so a lot of times God backs us out of that wrong turn before we have to go too far down the road and sets us on a different course. And he says, as seed rots in the ground in the winter time, but after comes up better, and the harder the winter, the more flourishing the spring, so we learn to stand by falls and get strength by weakness discovered. Um, and he says, weakness is the keeper of virtue. There's some Latin, and I can't say it, so I'm going to just summarize it. We take deep root by shaking, and it's like my fig leaf trees. It, the, the roots get stronger the more it gets shooken. Uh, and so my kids are always shaking the thing. And it says, the, the, the deeper the root by shaking, and as torches flame brighter by moving, thus it pleases Christ out of his freedom in this manner to maintain his government in us. Let us hear and labor to exercise our faith so that it may answer Christ's way of dealing with us. When, when we are foiled, let us believe that we shall overcome. When we have fallen, let us believe we shall rise again. Jacob, after he received a blow which made him lame, yet would not give over wrestling till he had obtained the blessing. So let us never give up, but in our thoughts, knit the beginning, progress and end together. And then we shall see ourselves in heaven out of reach of all enemies. Let us assure ourselves that God's grace, even in this imperfect state is stronger than man's free will in the state of original perfection. It is founded now in Christ who, as he is the author, so will he be the finisher of our faith. Hebrews 12, 2. We are under a more gracious covenant. So there's a lot of going on there. And actually in this book, he's tying up some themes here as it comes to the end. 
but this is something that now I think as we step into worship, we got to realize worship is warfare. The church is moving forward. We're shout on, pray on, we're gaining ground. And even the times where it feels like we're moving backwards, God is at work. God will use this uh, ultimately for his glory and for the good of his people. And so it's it's with a great hope um, as we step into worship, as we step in just general life in general, um, knowing that, that as we go, Christ is our victor. Christ is with us. He's empowering us to work and to move and have our being in him. And, uh, and so let us shout on, pray on church because the church is in fact gaining ground. Praise to Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior. I'll, I'll see you guys on Sunday as we sing about the ground we're gaining. And uh, I hope you bring a friend along with you this time. Take care, everyone. Have a great rest of your week.